Hi, I'm Sammy Shulman. I'm Josh Siegel. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to The Floater. Today is Thursday, September the 24th of the 2020th year. And we're going to be talking some football and maybe a little bit of uh, basketball. We'll see. We'll see where the day takes us. How are you guys doing today? Doing okay. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Josh, I know later on in the pod we're going to get to a topic that's probably stressing you out pretty immensely right now. Indeed. But uh, we'll save that for later. Uh, today's Thursday. We've got Thursday night football in just a few hours. Uh, we're going to do our usual pick the line, and we'll see where everyone went. But first off, just standings-wise, should we go from bottom to top or top to bottom? Where do you guys want to do Middle start? first. Middle first. So in the middle is Sammy with a 9-5-2 and two record. The two indicates a push, uh, a.k.a. the Bills game. Uh, Sammy, you took minus three. The Bills only won by three, so push, a.k.a. tie. Same with Steelers, minus five. Uh, in last place, Josh with a whopping five, nine, and two. Yeah, last week was not good. Not good at all for you, Wait, Josh. that's actually insanely bad. Yeah, I told like, you that. That's the nicest way possible. How's that possible? I didn't feel good about the lines last week. I told you that going in. But, Josh, you took Lions plus six and a half. For knowing that you weren't going to do well. It's impressive. He knew he wasn't going to do well, and he followed it up. <laughs> yeah. And then your leader is 10-4-2, uh, being me, only because I took Jaguars plus 11 when you guys took Tennessee minus 11. That was and, a little silly. <laughs> so that was week two. We're moving into week three. Uh, if you guys are good to start, uh, I'll have Josh start it off for us with tonight's Thursday night matchup. Sure. So we had tonight. We have the Dolphins and the Jaguars in a pick'em, um, and I'm going with the Jaguars. Uh, I too have Jacksonville here. I think Gardner Minshew showed some crazy flashes. It's going to be interesting. Um, what's his name? DJ Chark will not be playing tonight, so right. we'll neither just... will be Howard. Yes, neither. Uh, and I don't think Byron Jones will be playing either. I think he too is injured. Yeah. But don't quote me on that. Um, I think it's Byron Jones, not Xavier Howard, who was injured. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we've got Byron Jones out tonight. Uh, it means the rookie out of Colorado, LaVisca Chenault Jr., is going to have to step up, as well as James Robinson, uh, the running back, and obviously Gardner Minshew. I think the only thing that really concerns me for the Jaguars tonight is defensively how much they've been giving up passing yards-wise. Defensively, they've been playing pretty well against the run, but they really, they're mediocre pass rushers at best. If the tight ends flare out, Miles Jack and Joe Schubert are not going to be able to cover the flats well, and it's just going to be a hard day defensively for them. I could see Fitzmagic having a great game this week. Oh, Sammy, where are you leaning on this? Well, I'm also going to go with the Jaguars. You had a nice little soliloquy about all the things the Jaguars don't do well, but you're still picking the Jaguars, Aaron? Yeah, I, I still think the Jaguars just do the things they do better than the Dolphins, and the things they do worse, they don't do as poorly as the Dolphins. It, well it's, said. It's the lesser of two evils in some sense, is I how I've made this pick. The Jaguars are better than we – I mean, they. Are, I think they're good in the sense that they're better than we thought they would be. I think they're – 
in the five to seven win range rather than the three to five, which is sort of what we thought going in. I think yeah. we kind of thought lower than three to five range. Well, I just sort of – I felt like they were going to be the worst team, but at best I thought they were going to be a top five pick. But here's a fun stat for you guys. So far, your top three quarterbacks in completion percentage over expectation, which basically is what your completion percentage is compared to what it would be expected to be based on the throws you are making. Number one, Russell Wilson. Number two, Lamar Jackson. Number three, Garner. Well, in week one, if I remember correctly, in week one, he... He was 19 for 20. He's been very efficient so far. I like what they've been doing with James Robinson. Um, he seems to have a really good relationship with Jay Gruden. And I think I was looking at another line where I liked them at minus two and a half. A pick seemed kind of easy to me. Well, um, that means Dolphins are winning confirmed if Josh yeah. thinks it's easy. Um, but, yeah, so should we move on to the next game? Let's do it. So next up we have the matchup between – Sorry, my thing's loading. Las Vegas Raiders versus – I forgot to write down who they're playing. I only wrote down Patriots. who my pick is. They're playing the New England. So Patriots versus Las Vegas. Um, if you're Cole, I'm going to start this off. I'm taking Las Vegas plus six and a half. Um, New England looked great, but I think Las Vegas' statement win against the Saints is something that can't go overlooked. I think they looked really well, played really well. Darren Waller was getting very involved in the passing game. We didn't see much from Henry Ruggs, which means there's only space for improvement. Josh Jacobs was great. Jalen Richard and was a serviceable backup. I just think offensively they look great. Defensively, obviously a bit shaky after giving up, I think it was 10 straight points on th- out of three drives. But in general – I think plus six and a half has a high opportunity for a backdoor cover here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots. I'm not a big fan of traveling on a short week. I Basically, that's as far as the Raiders can travel if they're not playing in London and then facing a Bill Belichick coach team. Granted, his their team's also coming in from out west, but like they'll be in their own beds. I think that like means a little – and I think what means a lot is how good the Patriots looked against the Seahawks. And it's not that I didn't think that the Raiders' win was impressive, because it definitely was, but it seemed almost more like a Saints loss. Like, I feel like the Saints just kept giving away the ball. Cam Newton's only given away the ball, I think, twice all year, maybe even only once. Um, assuming that number remains the same and that he doesn't turn over the ball, I could see the Patriots winning this one pretty handily. And Josh, where are you leaning? Yeah, I'm going um... – Patriots for a few reasons. Like Sammy said, I just think this has every single ingredient for sort of a coming down to earth game. I mean, the Raiders had an incredible win on Monday. They're traveling cross country on a short week, like Sammy said. And you have a Patriots team that's pissed off. Um, And you know, you know, Bill Belichick is not going to let them go one and two. Um, And Another fun fact is that Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick teams coming off of a loss, um, uh, are what you call it, forty-five and thirteen during his time as head coach, and I just think they're pissed off. The Raiders had a great win. 
it's going to be hard to get up, fly cross country on a short week against that Patriots team. And I think this is going to be sort of a statement game for the Patriots almost in a sense. That's, that's fair. Uh, before we move on, Josh, uh, just so I can make sure I heard you correctly, I'm assuming that stat line include doesn't include playoffs, meaning – doesn't include playoffs, regular season. And th- this is during his tenure with the Patriots? Yes. So he has less than 60 losses with the Patriots over 20 years? That's crazy. Like, I know he's dominant, and I know this is not what we're talking about, but actually hearing that is crazy them to be less than because you have to remember there are a good number of week 17 losses in there oh fair and losses going into a bye this is games they lost the week before oh okay i misunderstood that yeah okay anyways next up uh la rams versus buffalo the line is minus three buffalo josh why don't you take this one to start sure so i'm going with the rams um i think Anytime you have an underdog who's a better – who you think is a better team, I think you take that. Um, the Bills – I'm sort of confused about the Bills because I talked about it before. They have looked very impressive winning close games against bad teams, if that makes sense. Like, I was impressed by their performances against the Jets and Dolphins, but they were – but it was 27-17 and 31-28. So I'm not entirely sure what to make of them. With the Rams, I'm more convinced that I just undervalued them coming into the year. I think they're good. They had an impressive win over the Cowboys. Then I would be worried about them flying cross-country, but that wasn't an issue for them against the Eagles last week. Now doing four cross-country flights in two weeks or three going into this game could be an issue for them, but I just think the Rams are better, and I like them on the road here. So I, too, took the Rams here. Um, it's not that I don't have confidence in Buffalo, but it goes back to what you said, Josh, is they're 2-0, and but they're 2-0 and in close games against bad teams versus the Rams, who have now taken down two straight NFC East teams. Uh, both times they were not favorited, and they came out on top, I think, plus three. Uh, I wish it was like a plus six and a half or something, like a bit more generous of a line that could really provide a backdoor cover. But either way, I think LA Rams plus three here is just hard not to take based off how well they've been playing. Uh, what yeah. about you, Sammy? Yeah, I'm also going to pick the Rams. And I just want to stress that it's because I think the Rams are really good, not because I think that the Bills aren't as good as people think they are. Um, I've said it last week, and I'll say it again. If the Rams stay healthy, they're as good as anyone in the NFC. Um, I don't mind the way the Bills have looked winning close games against bad teams because that's kind of what they did last year. And then all of a sudden you looked up and they were 7-3. and three. Like, they pull one out against the Jets. They kind of go along this easy schedule that the AFC's had. And then all of a sudden they were a dangerous team. So I'm not going to really read into that as much. But I'm picking the Rams because I think the Rams are, are a truly good team. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the point I was making about the Bills is not that I was digging them for that. It's that I was confused because they looked really good doing that. So, like, going into the week, if you had told me it would beat them, like, I think the difference even between this and last year is that they didn't necessarily look good in those games, but they look good in these games this year. So I'm not dinging them at all. I think they're a good team. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. So next up, uh, I kind of call this a bit of a trap pick, and I don't know if that's, like, weird to say, but we have Houston versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a minus six favorite. Uh, I'm going to let Sammy take this. But for me, I'm kind of nervous 
as far as this pick goes. But, Sammy, what do you have to say? Um, I'm going to go with Houston. Uh, we had talked coming into the year about how it was unfortunate that they had to play the Chiefs and the Ravens first. We also then, you think about it, and we called the Steelers the third best team in the AFC coming into the year. Whether or not that's the case right now, that still is now basically what their schedule could have been, like the best three teams in the AFC to start off. But when you're 0-2, you need a win. And I don't know if the Texans will win, but I can't imagine that they don't throw everything at the Steelers that they have. And I think this is a very, like, I think I would probably say Texans plus three and a half. So I feel like I even have a little wiggle room here, and I'm going to go with the Texans. Um, yeah, I agree with Sammy. I think the Texans are going to come out with energy. I still think the Steelers are good. But if we're just looking at this, the Steelers have beaten the Giants by 10 and the Broncos by five in a game which Jeff Driscoll played over half of it. Um, so I think the te- it's going to be a close game. I think the Texans are going to hang around. Um, and I think the Steelers are going to win, but I think they're going to win a close one. In my- and plus six seems like a good number for the Texans. Gotcha. So uh, I, I went against the green here. I took Steelers minus six. But like I said, I'm really not comfortable with that pick. I think there's too many opportunities for, again, backdoor cover or just for Houston to win outright. Um, looking back, probably should have taken Houston plus six, but I already locked in Steelers minus six. Either I'll pick up a quick point here and where you guys both miss out on, or I'll just look like an idiot. Either way, <laughs> I'm really just ready to move on to the next pick, which happens to be the San Francisco Giants full of injuries versus the New York Giants. Uh, I said San Francisco Giants. My bad. The San Francisco 49ers versus the New York Giants. I don't know why either of you didn't correct me. Um, nah, we were going to let you finish. <laughs> thank you both. Josh, my six and a half to San Francisco. Who's your pick? Go. Sure. So I actually want to correct you again. And on the intro, this is actually the 49ers JV squad going up against the Giants, and that's why I'm picking the Giants plus six and a half. I don't <laughs> think the Giants are good. I think literally the 49ers have Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, and Richard Sherman all hurt. Those are basically all of their best players, with the exception of a couple guys. But it, there's like – if, if this game shows up on red zone, I feel like half the time we're going to have to look up and say, who is that with the Niners? Like, they're just too hurt to be six-and-a-half-point favorites against any professional football team. Uh, I'm with you on that, Josh. I took New York Giants plus six-and-a-half here. It really is just the injuries, especially to their run defense. Uh, I think there's a chance recently signed running back Devontae Freeman could have a great game for the New York Giants here. Now that Saquon's out, I think he'll get a heavy load of touches. I also think Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton could have good games. I just think the plus six and a half is too generous in the Giants' favor not to take it against, as you called it, the JV San Francisco roster. But, Sammy, what's your call here? Um, I'm going to go with the 49ers here um, because it's hard to call the Giants a professional football team. And – if Saquon Barkley couldn't get going, I don't see how Devontae Freeman does. Yes. Not that Devontae Freeman isn't a special player, but Saquon Barkley is a generational talent type player, and he could get nothing with that offensive line. I don't see that changing. Um, the 49ers are a well-coached team, and it's not necessarily that the Giants aren't, but at the end of the day, 
I would I wouldn't be surprised if I okay. At the end of the day, I would be very surprised if the Giants won, but I wouldn't be that surprised if the 49ers didn't cover. However, my gut's telling me that Shanahan will find a way to get this one done. Um, he's played the Giants well historically, and they. It's not that Jimmy Garoppolo is not really good or anything, but I don't think there's going to be too much of a drop off because I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan will scheme whatever Nick Mullins is comfortable with, and so I just I trust him in this one. Yeah. For me, I want to make it clear, I don't like the Giants. I actually did not like the Devontae Freeman signing. Um, Devontae Freeman was last in the NFL last year in yards per attempt over expectation. He was one of the only guys to be at negative one. For me, it's as simple as I am confident that I know who is playing for the Giants this weekend, and then I will recognize some names, and then I can't say the same for the 49ers. You don't recognize Nick Mullins and Jarek McKinnon, the most deadly backfield? <laughs> so some of the, you know – practice squad receivers and D linemen we're going to see. I mean, I'm just saying be very scared of Nick Mullins, Josh. Nick Mullins could throw for easily 50 yards and two interceptions. Just be nervous about that. Anyways, next up we have another pick We've got the Tennessee Titans against Minnesota. It's a pick Uh Tennessee Titans, they, uh, they, they ended up winning last week, right? Yeah. I can't even remember. Yeah. That was a weird game. And Minnesota got blown out of the water by Indianapolis. I took the Minnesota pick them here. I think Minnesota wants to bounce back. It goes back to the idea of being an 0 2 team. Like you're going to throw everything you can out. And I think Dalvin Cook has the opportunity to play really well. If Kirk Cousins can actually throw more than 115 yards and less than four interceptions, they have a chance of winning. So I'm taking Minnesota here. But, Sammy, what do you think? Um, I am going to go with the Titans. I, I agree that the um, Vikings will want to come out and, you know, make a statement win. I just don't think they can. I think they're kind of bad. I think that the Titans are kind of good. And so that's basically what it comes down to. I'm betting on the team that I think is good over the team that I think is bad. Yeah, I – completely agree with everything Sammy just said. I'm not sure what we've seen from Minnesota in these first two weeks that made it deserving of a pick Um They, so far, have got – their run defense has gotten shredded twice, and Derrick Henry is no easy task. Ryan Tannehill has looked really good these first two weeks. The Titans are a feisty team, and the Vikings just don't look good. They've gotten their asses pretty thoroughly kicked twice. And like I said last week, their defenders are still getting to know each other. Um, Kirk Cousins is looking around and sees Adam Thielen and no one else. Um, And I would say if I could have one mulligan in my preseason picks, it would be the Vikings for the division um, right now. And they're they're just – they're bad. And the Titans are good. And I'm not sure why this is a pick to be honest. Yeah. Well, that makes plenty of sense. Again, Minnesota pick them, probably not my greatest pick, but it's one I've made. So we'll move on. Sammy, you're going to have to go first here on this one. We have the Washington football team against the Cleveland Browns. Browns are five-and-a-half-point favorites. What are you thinking, Sammy? Um, I'm just going to go with the Washington football team. I don't, maybe I'm being biased. I don't know exactly. I just don't think the Browns are amazing. Um, if If the Browns don't score – in the 30s, I'm confident that 
the Washington football team offense will at least be able to keep up to the point where they'll cover this. Um, if I was betting on who would win the game, I would probably go with the Browns. But five and a half, if, if you want to talk about backdoor covers, five and a half is the line that just screams it the most to me. Um, you know, you'll be down 10 or 12 in a game, and then you'll get a last-minute touchdown, and all of a sudden you look up and that line's covered. So um, I'm going to go with the Washington football team. Uh, I took the Cleveland minus five and a half. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what out of it I saw. I just think there's a chance Nick Chubb plays really well. OBJ, we've started to see him actually play football competently, especially last week against Cincinnati. He had four catches. It's not like it's not like he had some sort of throwback game. He had four I catches. Know. I think their offense is finally trying to fi- or not trying to figure figure things out, but they're slowly figuring things out, and it could be a way for them to get a one touchdown win. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. Something like a 28-21. 35-28 high-scoring game, but they end up pulling it out by at least a touchdown. That's where my headspace is at. So I'm taking Cleveland minus 5.5. Josh, where are you thinking? Yeah, so I'm taking Cleveland minus 5.5 just because I don't think this Browns team is very good, but I actually think they do match up with Washington kind of decently. I mean, I think Washington's offense is not good. Um, I mean, if you just look, Dwayne Haskins is – last in football and completion over in completion percentage over expectation by a pretty significant margin, but that's not all his fault because he's also had the least amount of time to throw in football because their offensive line isn't great. And if there's one thing that I do like about the Browns, it is their pass rush. I think they're going to get to Haskins. I think um, with Washington, I think they have a really good pass rush. I'm less confident about them in the run game and the Browns have the best one, two punch in football. I think it's as simple as the Browns are going to run the ball and get after the quarterback. Um, but I'm not confident in this because I don't love either of these teams. The thing I will say about Dwayne Haskins and, and the Washington football team and why I don't totally agree with the matchup thing on that side of the ball is I'm very worried about the run, rushing game in terms of our rushing defense. But Dwayne Haskins um, ranks first to third in every important metric, completion percentage yards, all that kind of stuff, um, in throws where he got the ball out of his hands in less than two seconds. And so knowing that the Browns pass rush is what it is, which is probably top five in the NFL, top 10 for sure. Um, I think North Turner is going to scheme up a lot of quick passes, a lot of easy passes for Haskins in the second half last week. They really got him going with that. And I would look for them to continue that uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I, I still think the one, two punch in the backfield of Cleveland will be great. It could open up the play action, which they will just utilize against the Washington secondary that we have seen get burned a few times during this season. But anyways, moving on to the next game, we have Cincinnati versus Philly. Somehow Philly is favorites again after their abysmal 0-2 start. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm just going in. I'm taking Cincinnati plus five-and-a-half here. I know Cincinnati's also 0-2, but I don't think Philadelphia deserves to be a favorite the way we've seen Carson Wentz play. It's just it's been abysmal. I think this should have been a pick uh, and I still would have taken Cincinnati here, but five and a half opens. Like, there's such a high chance that this bet is covered. Uh, there's just no way that you can't take Cincy five and a half here. I'm, I'm not sure where your guys' headspace is, but to me, I feel like, you know what? I'm saying it. This is my lock of the week, Cincinnati plus five and a half. Uh, All right. Well, then on that note, it's a perfect time for me to chime in and say I'm taking Philly minus five and a half. 
Um, I don't really understand how you can call it a lock. I, I especially don't understand how you can say like you would have picked the Bengals outright to win. The Bengals are an zero and two football team. The Eagles are an zero and two football team, and they're playing each other going into the year. Who would you have picked in this game? The Eagles. They still have that talent. Um, they got to figure it out. It's now or never. That's the kind of games that they're usually good in. Um, would I be surprised if they only won by three? No. But would I be surprised if they lost? Absolutely. And so with that in mind, I'm going to go Eagles minus five and a half. That's my lock of the week. Um, well, if I was going to make a lock, it would have been on Tennessee earlier. Um, but I was also not I was just playing off Aaron. Yeah, but I guess if we want to do it, I would put that as my lock. But here I'm taking Cincinnati. I'm not too confident. I just don't think we've seen anything from the Eagles that makes them deserving of being five and a half point favorites. Um, I think Cincinnati might have the better quarterback in this game. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say from what we've seen. I do. I, I just don't love the vibe coming from the Eagles. Um, and I think Joe Burrow is the real deal. Um, but I don't have that much to say on this game. I, I'm with you that I think Cincinnati has the better quarterback. I think Carson Wentz has been abysmal these past two weeks. But anyways, moving into the next game. So is Gardner Minshew better than him? So far? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, it's not like a so far thing because we're not picking our games this week based on what's happened so far. Yeah, it influences it. But Carson Wentz still has a resume and skill that's not even close in the same league as what third-week starting quarterback Joe Burrow brings to the table. I mean, I'm not sure I can believe what I'm hearing here. And I'm a, and I'm a Washington football team fan. Like I'm not not like I'm an avid Eagles supporter either. Yeah. Well, you may not be able to believe what you're hearing, but you're gonna have to hear it anyways. But Sammy, I'll let you go first on this next one. We've got Chicago versus Atlanta. Atlanta is three and a half point favorites. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm gonna go with Atlanta here. You want to talk about a team that needs a win? This is it. Um, this is finally a matchup I like for them because they're not facing an elite offense and it's not like the Bears have an elite defense anymore really I mean their pass rush is pretty decent but if Matt Ryan get the ball out of his hands I worry a little bit that it seems like Julio is trending towards not playing and it seems like the kind of thing with Julio where when he's still not practicing at this point like he doesn't play but I'm not sure that would totally influence my decision um, I like Russell Gage I think he'll step up obviously Calvin Ridley has been the best wide receiver in the NFL through the first two weeks um, just statistically, and I like I like the Falcons here to bounce back after an all time loss. Um, yeah, I agree. For me, it's as simple as I, when looking at the game, I see ways for the Falcons to get to thirty or even twenty, and I don't see that for the Bears. Um, it, the Bears are not a two and O team. If if, you know, one fluky bounce of the ball goes different in each game, we're looking at this as two one-in-one one teams at the very least. And I just think I'm getting a couple extra points with Atlanta at three and a half. Yeah. I also took Atlanta three and a half. Um, I think that Chicago doesn't deserve to be that close to Atlanta. I think a plus five and a half is fair. Uh, Josh, as you mentioned, uh, especially – uh, Chicago should not be 2-0. They should be 1-1. One one. DeAndre Swift, we've talked about before, should have caught that pass. Literally rookie mistake. Uh, painful to watch. Atlanta, they've put up so many points through two weeks. I think they put up somewhere in the 30s against the Seahawks, even with a garbage time touchdown. 
and they put up 39 against the Cowboys. Sammy, as far as the defense goes, you've mentioned it plenty of times before. The Bears, they had a great defense a couple years ago, but it was a turnover-based defense, and that's just not replic- – you can't replicate that. So with that being said, I'm taking Atlanta minus three and a half as well here. Um, do you want a fun fact about Matt Ryan? Sure, Josh. Sure. For his career, he has lost five games in which he threw for at least 250 yards, zero interceptions, and a 125 passer rating. No other quarterback in NFL history has ever lost more than three such games. How many of them has he lost? Five. Well, their quarterbacks have blown a 28 to three point lead. I mean, that's. That's not really his fault. Yeah, I mean, part of it was he, you know, snapped the ball too early down the stretch and gave the Patriots too much time. But that's a, another discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah, no, but anyways, Atlanta three and a half across the board. Next up, we have the New York Jets versus the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Colts without Paris Campbell anymore. Jets, if they have injuries, I don't know about them because it's the Jets. Indianapolis. Jamison Gratter's hurt. Yeah, and they have the worst coach in football, their worst team in football. So, Josh, I think you can lead it off for us then. Indy is minus seven favorites. Where are you thinking? Sure. Um, it, I, it seemed pretty easy to, for Indy meet, to pick Indy for me here. Like, I think Indy's good. During the first game, it wasn't a rough loss to Jacksonville, but it was also fluky in the sense that if you, if you look at some of the action game, they didn't – Hunt once in that game. Um, there were some turnovers, some fourth down stops, but they were moving the ball in a way that was really encouraging, and it translated to the next week against the Vikings, where they sort of laid the smack down. I think their defense is good. I really can't give you one positive thing about the Jets, other than they have draft picks moving forward, but I think the Jets are the worst team in football. This line seems way too low to me. Indianapolis minus seven seems pretty easy. Yeah, everywhere I've seen the line, it's been much bigger. Yeah. Um, a few of the lines were like this. Uh, we might have to talk about changing where we get our lines from because, yes, we could end up being wrong, but this just seems like one of the easier yeah. things you'll ever get. So with that being said, not too much discussion. I'm also going uh, Colts by yeah. seven. Uh, I'm going to go Colts too. Uh, I can look into new websites for where we get our lines from. We can talk about that. But anyways – we don't need to debate it. The Colts minus seven here is a great bet. Um, next up, we have Carolina versus the LA Chargers. LA Chargers are six and a half point favorites. Sammy, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I worry about both of these teams for different reasons. I think when you have a performance like Justin Herbert did last week, you gen- generally follow it up with a much regressed performance. And I would love to take Carolina plus six and a half. But then you look at it and you're like, well, they don't have McCaffrey. What does their offense even look like without McCaffrey? And after a lot of back and forth, I am going to go with Carolina. Um, and that's just because I feel like their defense has been a little underrated. And I think they're going to do a pretty good job on how on how they can handle what will be thrown at them from uh, the rookie. Yeah. Um, so I sort of agree with Sammy. I wasn't confident with either of these teams. At the end of the day, I just went with the Chargers minus six and a half because – I think the Panthers are already a bad team, and now they're without McCaffrey. Um, But like I said, I could easily see this being a close game. I think 
one bigger picture thing to look out for the Chargers is how they respond to this Tyrod Taylor story is interesting because if you're looking at it from an organizational standpoint, this is a type of thing that can not divide a locker room but create a chasm between the team and the organization. And you can say it was a fluke accident, which it was. At the end of the day, a team doctor punctured their quarterback's lung. And we've really never seen anything like this in sports. Um, And the trust between the players and the organization is something that can quickly erode. And Anthony Lynn has quite the job on his hand, keeping this team together and focused. Um, And I think this will be a very telling week going forward. Um, One other note is that I think it actually makes more sense now that Anthony Lynn said they would go back to Tyrod Taylor when he's healthy, just for the simple reason that if Tyrod Taylor loses his job because of this, the organization would probably be subject to a pretty significant lawsuit or grievance that they don't want to pay. Um, So, yeah, I think this is a really interesting game for the Chargers going forward to see how they respond as a team because there's a chance they come out just disinterested and that – translates to the rest of the year. Josh going with the lawsuit on us. I wasn't even thinking about that, but that's definitely a fair point. I also took Chargers minus six and a half here. Um, I don't think Carolina's offense is going to be able to do much. I know Roby or Robbie Anderson got that one breakaway touchdown. Chargers have a pretty good secondary. I doubt they'll give up something like that. Uh, I didn't even think about the whole idea with Tyrod Taylor and the pug and lung and how that affects the team as a whole. I was thinking from just a roster standpoint and kind of how they've been playing, not anything off the field. Uh, I'm still going to go with Chargers minus six and a half. I can't change that. But it's definitely an interesting storyline that we'll have to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, going forward as well, next up we have Detroit versus Arizona. Arizona's three and a half point favorites. Uh, I'm going to go first here. I took Arizona three and a half. We saw them play well against the Washington football team. They also had a great game week one. The Lions got blown out by 20, 21 points against the Packers, and they lost to the Bears. And I know they should have beat the Bears, and more the point that the Bears were even in the game shows the lack of defensive capabilities of the Lions. And I just think Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake, and that offense is going to have a field day this Sunday. Um. Yeah, so this line seems kind of funny to me. Um, Just for the quality of the two teams, Arizona minus three and a half is really easy. One thing I will point out to look for is, and I know you're going to like hearing this, Sammy, is if you have Kyler Murray in fantasy, this is going to be an incredible week for you because one thing Matt Patricia is notorious for, and this is funny coming from someone from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, is that in his time with the Lions, he's been so – so stubborn when it comes to scheme and scheming to either his talent or adjusting to an opponent and come hell or high water Matt Patricia will rarely blitz and he will play in man coverage which means if you're giving Kyler Murray time and having people in man he's going to scramble a lot I think Kyler Murray will get 100 rushing yards this game I think it's going to be sort of a bloodbath on that side of the ball to be honest um and this, I don't know if they're going to fire a coach after week three, but this could be a tipping point for Matt Patricia, who is already on one of the hottest seats in football. Yeah, this was another example of a line that makes me feel like this isn't the best place to get our lines, just because this is another ridiculous one. 
that doesn't mean that it can't be wrong, but it just isn't the right line for this game. Like the Cardinals are clearly a better team, um, like much better. And a little bit of a Kyler Murray revenge story after the tie last year, he needs to go for the win this time. I'm sure that's the first thing on his mind. Um, and so I think he'll get that win in pretty handily fashion. And I wouldn't be surprised also if there was some Matt Patricia firing talk. Um, yeah. Um, so next we have Tampa Bay, who is three and a half point favorites against Denver. Um, I don't have too many thoughts on this game. I think Denver is missing a lot of guys. Um, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here, but I don't feel too strongly about this one. Yeah. Uh, I think Denver just – I think I saw it earlier. Uh, Denver just brought in Blake Bortles as their quarterback. As their backup. Oh, who's their quarterback then? I feel like I'd rather have Blake Bortles than Jeff Driscoll personally, but that's just me. I also took Tampa minus three and a half here. Uh, I felt pretty good about it. Uh, I still feel pretty good about it, and I think come Sunday I'll feel pretty good about it. Sammy? Yeah, this is this is another line that I feel should have been higher. I think Tampa minus six or six and a half is is really where I've seen the line, and I would still take Tampa there. And so I'm obviously taking them here. I think Tom Brady going to Denver. Uh, he's played some interesting games there in the past, and I think that this will be no different. I think that this will go down as you know his best early game. Obviously, only three weeks in as a member of the Buccaneers. Seems like Evans is healthy just based on his performance last week. Fournette's kind of coming into his zone a little bit. Maybe that big run will spark something. And Godwin is out of the concussion protocol. So I think all the signs are there for a big Buccaneers performance against, like you guys were saying, a really banged up Denver team. Not to mention, like, uh, just building off that, the Broncos are going to be starting rookies at both corners as A.J. Boye is still out. And those rookies are going against Edwins and Godwin, or Evans and Godwin. So I I like the Buccaneers here. Rough day for the Denver camp defensively going forward. So now we go to, in my opinion, probably three of the closest, most interesting games from this week. First up, we've got Dallas versus Seattle. Seattle are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle here. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting game, high-scoring game. Uh, I happen to see the over uh, the over-under of 55. I think this game could go, not easily, but I think there's a high chance this game goes over 55 points. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how well Dak Prescott does, uh, see if that Seattle secondary is even back. We saw a lot of injuries for them against the Patriots. Who knows who's going to be available. It, it's going to be a, it's going to be a shootout of a game. It's, I'm going to be excited to watch, but Seattle minus three and a half is something I feel pretty confident about, uh, going forward. I'll definitely try and find us a new website for some lines that are probably a bit more realistic. But, uh, Josh, what do you got to say? Yeah, I agree. This is going to be a shootout. I think these are two teams with, you know, maybe two of the top five or six offenses in football, both with a lot of question marks and injuries on the defensive side. And really any line in this game makes me nervous just because when you get into a shootout, which I think this will be, you just get crazy stuff and unpredictable stuff happening. We saw that in both of their games last week. And I'm not saying we're going to see a a once-in-a-generation comeback or, you know, a ga- game's coming down to the one-yard line. But just when you have a game that has so many fluky factors in it, the only thing I feel really comfortable, if it's a close enough line, is taking who I think is going to win. 
and that's Seattle. So I'm going to go with Seattle here. Yeah, Sammy, what about with, you? I'll also go with Seattle. Um, the one X factor that I think is a little bit scary when you pick Seattle is just the Zeke factor. Yeah. Um, the the Seahawks let only, I think, 18 rushing yards to running backs. They kind of took their running backs right, at, right out of the game, and I don't really see that continuing um, because Zeke's just a different caliber running back than, you know, Sonny Michelle um, and anybody they had there. Cam Newton was responsible for, like, all of – it was something like all – like 450 out of 460 yards or something of their offense. Um, and so that, that can have close to that production along with what we know Zeke will do just week in and week out. Um, I wouldn't be that surprised if the Cowboys won, but my gut's telling me the Seahawks. And just like basically what Josh was saying, it's not a close enough line where I would say, even though I think the Seahawks will win, I'm going Cowboys uh, to cover. So I'm going Seahawks. Yeah, I think this will be a really fun game and a really crazy game. And not that Ravens Chiefs isn't getting the hype that it deserves. I think it's unfortunate this is happening in the same week. Just because on the normal week, I think this is going to be the type of game that we're all talking about on Monday morning, but we're going to be talking about Ravens Chiefs going going into it. Um, Josh, we're about to force you the – we got one more pick, and then you're forced to talk about Ravens Chiefs. Yeah. Get ready for that. <laughs> Next up, we've got Green Bay versus New Orleans. New Orleans is six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I'm thinking Green Bay here. New Orleans looked extremely shaky uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Drew Brees was struggling offensively without Michael Thomas. If it wasn't for Alvin Kamara, I think that game would have been even less close or, I guess, farther apart. I don't know how you want to describe it. I just think plus six and a half for Green Bay is a really easy line to take for me. But, Sammy, what are you thinking about that? Um, It worries me that Devontae Adams is out because Devontae Adams being out means more than Michael Thomas being out. However, these teams are both really, really good. And I think six and a half is too big of a line in a game that's essentially a neutral site um, with two teams that are really, really good. And so I'm also going to go Packers, even though I wouldn't be that surprised if the Saints won. I just think it will be a close game. Um, Yeah, I I agree. I think it will be a close game. Um, And this is one – Aaron Rodgers actually has a higher passer rating – without Devontae Adams than with Devontae Adams. That doesn't mean they're better without Devontae Adams, but he can get it done without him. I mean, part of that is because he had that one huge game against the Raiders last year where he accounted for like six total touchdowns, I think. Um, But at the end of the day, this is going to be a close game. Um, And regardless of who wins, I'm not sure how you can make this a six and a half point line. I think this is another one that really confused me. Yeah. Again, mentioned it earlier. We'll find a new place to get our lines. But finally, um, Sammy, I think the way I kind of want to do this, I know we made you go first with the Washington football team, but we've got Kansas City, Baltimore. Baltimore are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think you and I should quickly make our picks, and then we'll let Josh talk this out because I know he probably has a lot to say. Um, I'm just going to say I took Kansas plus two-and-a-half. I think Kansas City – I'm not sure. I just think think they have the potential to win, so – Taking them as the underdog line uh, is what made me do that. Uh, can they cover two and a half? That's such an odd number. I think three and a half would be better, but we weren't given that. I'm still taking Kansas City plus two and a half. I'm just not extremely confident about it. Sammy, what do you got to say? Yeah, um, I went back and forth on this. I I told Josh right when 
we saw the initial line and just we talked about the game that I was going to go back and forth. And so when I made this pick, I also said Kansas City. And I think the roadmap for Kansas City to win this game is that they'll, if they can be leading in the fourth quarter, I, I'm obviously still not a believer that that's somewhere, something where the Ravens can thrive. Um, if Kansas City can put pressure on the Baltimore Ravens to have to actually throw the football when they're losing and not be in kind of like a, uh, a run-first offense, I just don't know what we're going to see. Um, other than Marquise Brown, I just don't feel like they have the weapons to really keep up. Um, but if they're on this at the same time, I could see the Ravens blowing out the Chiefs because their defense is way better than the Chiefs' defense. Um, but though I'd say one thing that's changed with my opinions about these teams since the beginning of the year um, is that I don't think I thought the Ravens would have some huge special teams advantage, but I genuinely think Harrison Bucker has kind of taken Justin Tucker's throne, at least for the time being. And so maybe there's like a little storyline where Justin Tucker will get a chance to kind of take the throne back. But I think as of right now in offense and now in special teams, I would lean towards the Chiefs. I mean, listen, if you want to talk about overreactions, saying after two weeks that the best kicker of all time has been dethroned is one more. And also something with the Ravens special teams is it's so much deeper than the kicker. They're incredible on punk coverage and kickoff coverage. I mean, on the kickoffs that have been returned this year, none of them have got past like the 15. Um, so I would highly disagree that there's a special teams advantage there. Um, but to me, I did a lot of time thinking about it. And I think the Ravens, both because of the quality of their defense and the way the defense is constructed, are are a good matchup for the Chiefs in the sense that we saw both in the Chargers game and in the Super Bowl last year um, that the best way to get to Mahomes, the best way to contain the Chiefs, is to get after Mahomes um, and to just make him uncomfortable. Um, and the Ravens can do that. They blitz more than anyone else in football, and they actually have a really good pass rush this year along with it. I was talking to Sammy about how last year a lot of the pass rush was manufactured in a sense that was there because of the blitz, but Calais Campbell has really been a game changer. Um, and Matt Judon and Tyus Bowser both took steps up. Deshaun Elliott is not a better safety than Earl Thomas, but you can use him blitzing which you can't with Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is zero career sacks, and Deshaun Elliott already got a sack on Sunday. Um, I really like the way they've been using him. Um, and that's not to say that they're going to stop Mahomes, um, but I think also on the other side of the ball, I think what the Ravens are really good at is minimizing possessions. Um, the Ravens are the time of possession kings. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the roadmap to beating the Chiefs is getting to Mahomes and minimizing possessions and keeping him on the sidelines. And I think the Ravens are better equipped than any team in football to do that. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, we're going to keep Mahomes under 20, right? This is all relative. Containing Mahomes means probably 20 to 24 points. The difference is I don't – I see a roadmap for the Ravens to keep the Chiefs under 30. And I'm not really sure if I see the same with the Chiefs with the Ravens just because the Chiefs can't stop the run. And their secondary is worse than it was last year. They lost a couple of their corners. And Lamar has taken another step up throwing the ball. And the Ravens have thrown the ball more than they ran it over the first couple of weeks. So they, they've at least been better with the exception of when it was time to melt the clock away against the Texans. And I think the Ravens are clearly the better team. And like I've said with everything so far, this could all be negated by the fact that Mahomes is nothing we've ever seen before. 
but I think I see a specific roadmap to the Ravens winning this game, which is the exact situations in which they thrive and is the type of games in which they want to play. So I'm going to take the Ravens. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a really fun game. Um, The stat has been beaten into the ground, but it's the first game between quarterbacks who are both former MVPs, age 25 or younger. I think these are the best two teams in football by a pretty significant margin. Um, And there's a good chance this game will determine the one seed in the AFC. I'm really nervous, but really excited. And I'm going to go with the Ravens. It's going to be a great game. And I wish they would switch the theme song to I've been waiting all day for Monday night because it's what it's going to be. This is going to be the worst Yom Kippur ever, having to fast and waiting for Ravens cheese. I love how Josh said that, knowing that last year I had to wait for Nats-Dodgers game five of the NLVS. And, like, we just talked about that. But whatever you got to tell yourself, Josh. (laughs) I'm going to push – the only part I want to push back on a little – is that the thing that you're avoiding talking about because there's nothing to show in support of the Ravens is what happens if they're losing in the fourth quarter. And I think that this is not even a slight against the Ravens. They need reps in that situation. And you know what? The Ravens are so good that they don't get those reps frequently. And so if I'm a Ravens fan and I find myself down seven in the fourth quarter, yes, I'm nervous, but I also see it as an opportunity because at the end of the day, in order to win a Super Bowl, at some point, I truly believe you will need to make some sort of plays happen in the fourth quarter. We've seen Mahomes. Now that you think about it, um, other than week one, go back to his last four games, like including the playoffs last year. He was down double digits in four out of five of them, and he come back. And that's what separates him from anybody else that we've really ever seen play the game. And so while I do agree that there's a 50% chance or a 60% chance that the Ravens won't be in a situation where they're losing in the uh, fourth quarter if they are, We don't know how they'll respond to that. And the Ravens passing is about running. That's just the bottom line. Whatever they do is because they have a great run game. And when they've had the few instances when they've had to pass because they were losing, it hasn't gone exactly ideally. Um, And they need more reps in it. So I think however you slice it, this is a cool game. This is a really great game that I think we've all been looking forward to for a long time. Um, People who are talking about how Mahomes is 2-0 against Lamar, this Lamar is different than even week three Lamar last year. This Ravens team is different. And this is pretty much pinnacle Chiefs, pinnacle Ravens. And it should, it should be a preview of the ASC championship. Yeah. Um, so I actually think something that's interesting is that so many people are looking back to week three of last year as sort of a model for this tier. I actually think the game the year before is sort of better in terms of what I'm talking about in terms of how the game is going to go. Because in that game last year, um, the Ravens' defense was beat up. They were without – or it was before they traded for Marcus Peters. Jimmy Smith was hurt. They also – the most underrated part of this defense this year so far has been the linebackers, um, who Patrick Queen so far has been everything as advertised as a first-round pick. And pro football focuses top-graded inside linebacker through two weeks has been LJ Fort. Now, that's not going to stand most likely, but he's still really good. He was an incredible signing last year after week four, who they extended. And I think the year before is actually a really interesting test case into how this game is going to go. Because at that point, Lamar wasn't the same thrower that he is now. He wasn't even close, but he did actually throw a go-ahead touchdown pass with a few minutes left to put the Ravens up 24-17. And that was up to that point that had been Mahomes' worst game of his career. And the Ravens had been doing that exact thing that I've been talking about. 
And then we all remember the crazy fourth down and 10 play, which is probably still Mahomes' best regular season play and maybe play in total of his career, the cross the field 50-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. And the thing that's so notable about that play is that the Ravens in that play only set four. And it's something they talked about on, mo- on that Monday. And it's something that actually was a big deal for them when in the last game of that regular season, they blitzed every single play on the four stops it took to beat the Browns and get to the playoffs. Um, so I actually think that game is a really much more interesting test case for how this is going to go. Because I think the way the Ravens defense was constructed was much more similar than to it is today. But I think the pass rush is a little worse and the secondary is a little better. Um, so even though the blitz might not be as good, it's going to be easier to hold the receivers. But at the end of the day, we know we are going to get right every single instance that we talked about a bad Mahomes game, whether it was that Ravens game or whether it was the Super Bowl last year when he struggled or even last week against their Chargers, there's going to be one crazy play to Tyree Kill. Um, and really the question is the extent to which the Ravens can mitigate everything else that Mahomes does and whether the Ravens can use their strengths in order to win this game. Um, because like Sammy said, if they're behind, they don't have a ton of reps. Um, we all know what happened in the Titans game last year. The last time they were behind in the regular season game was against the Steelers in week five. And Lamar did lead a last second field goal drive to tie the game. They won the game in overtime. Um, but all in all, I think the only way we learn anything about either team is if the Ravens are in, if the Ravens are behind and they do come back because that's sort of a checkbox. But at the end of the day, I think obviously not for me because I'm a Ravens fan, but I think for more of a football fan, this game is more just a fun game because of how good these teams are. And at the end of the day, with the exception of one team really blowing out the other, our takeaway is going to be these both teams are really good and these are the two best teams in football and there's no reason they shouldn't meet in the AFC Championship game. And I think the biggest effect is going to be on the standings and who gets the one seed. Um, But I'm terrified and excited and I'm ready. Um, It's going to be a fun game. Right. My final thought with that is that this game to me, as crazy as it sounds, is slightly, slightly more important for the Chiefs actually than the Ravens in my opinion just because at the end of the day, it's a regular season game. So if the Ravens do win, it's not like all of their, oh, not better than the Chiefs woes end. Um, but I will say that if the Chiefs lose this game, I think it's a much harder for the, I think it's much harder for them to get the one seed because the Ravens just have a far easier schedule and they would have to make up two games on a team that only lost two games all of last year. Um, and so just that one lens of it, I'd say this game is slightly more important for the Chiefs. But like Josh said, and like I've said repeatedly, um, if the Ravens are down, it's just much more important to see what they do with that. And so, yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah, um, well, one other thing I will say, and Sam, you know this, is the thing that terrifies me the most, is when the Ravens are up 10 nothing or 17-7 in the game. Because they just always lose those games. It, they've been up in 10 nothing the first two games this year. And they've won most of those games, but those are like the death scores for the Ravens. Me and my dad have had a thing for years and years and years. When the Ravens go up 10 nothing, we're like, uh-oh. And like I said, they went up 2 nothing or 10 nothing in the first two games this year. And I don't even know if I would call this a fun stat. I would just call it an LOL stat because there's really nothing else you can say. Is that the Chiefs have won the last six games in which they've trailed by 10-plus points. So if the Ravens go up 10-0, you can basically mark this to game down for the Chiefs. But it, 
it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a fun game and it's, it's the game of the year. Um, it's that simple. And I'm very happy it's on Monday night, not Sunday night. So it's not during Kol Nidre. Um, and one other thing I would point out is that just this week, it rarely happens where the three best games in the week are whichever, whether it's on Fox or CBS, the best 425 games Sunday night and Monday night. But I think that's the case this week. Um, and this is just going to be a great weekend of sports with that and the conference finals winding down last week of baseball regular season. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun this weekend. All right. Well said, Josh. All right. So I wish you luck, Josh. The next time we hear from you will be the day after that game. And we'll either have happy Josh, sad Josh, or somewhere in between. Um, as for uh, the floater, make sure you guys check out our Instagram and Twitter at the floater pod, the website floaterpod.com and listen to any football or previous basketball podcasts. We have tons of podcasts from over the quarantine that you don't have to have listened to right when they came out, just ranking various things. That's always fun to listen back to. You can hear Josh argue about guys you've probably never heard of. Um, Other than that, on behalf of Aaron, Josh, and myself, I'm Sammy Shulman reminding you to stay loyal.